This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and thanks for listening in today. Uh, before I begin, I would like to thank a good friend of mine, uh, Pastor Greg Young, who is in South, South Texas. He has a radio show out of Kerrville, Texas, and he invited me uh, last week, last Thursday night, I spoke. Uh, shared the stage with uh, Rafael Cruz, who is, of course, uh, Senator Ted Cruz's father and, and pastor and, and uh, terrific conservative speaker and a former Cuban refugee. And he uh, he spoke, and when we group, talked to a group of, oh, I think over 100 people, and a lot of them were leaders of very conservative organizations. And it was a very, very good meeting. I really enjoyed it. I want to thank Pastor Greg for, for having me down there. I'm a regular on his radio show. He has a show out of Kerrville, and uh, he does it every day, Monday through Friday. And I am his lead-off guest on Monday morning at 9 o'clock Central Time. Uh, I'm on for half an hour. And we talk about the, the same type of things we talk about on this show. But so if you're in Texas and you can tune in to Pastor Greg, you can find him on his website, Pastor Greg Young. Uh, you can also... Listen to him, as I understand it, and uh, he partners up with another show, New Orleans, Louisiana, which I've been on, and he they broadcast together sometimes. And his, his show is, is picked up by stations all around the country. So look for him, but you can also listen to him on the Internet, just like you can do here. You can go to my shows, which are archived, and you can listen to them. And we talk primarily, I talk primarily about the uh, situation with veterans, and people were aghast at what I told them and how veterans are being denied their constitutional rights to uh, keep and bear arms, their constitutional right to due process of law. And I also pointed out how it's going to start happening to everyone in the population. Well, 48 hours after that show, the president, they start leaking from the president his new executive orders that he's going to have, 12 of them regarding gun control, the things he's going to do to limit the right of American citizens to own firearms. And it's not just going to be the veterans. It's going to be everybody. If you are a recipient of Social Security, they're going to come after your weapons. If you are married to a veteran who has been declared incompetent, or if you are a child of a veteran living in the household with a veteran, they're going to come after your firearms. They're already doing this to the veterans. But now they're doing it to their families. They are going to broaden the definition of mental illness. And I've talked about this on the show before because I predicted this was going to happen. Uh, we had seen some of the proposed regulations by HHS and BATF uh, to HHS was following a presidential executive order that mandated that when it came to the HIPAA law, which is a law, by the way, that protects the, the privacy of your medical records, they're not supposed to be released to anybody, including the government, without your permission. Obama's saying, well, that's no longer the case if you are a gun owner or if you're a potential gun owner. If you have ever seen a psychologist, if you have ever been treated for depression, if you've ever been treated for PTSD, your records are now automatically going to be turned over to the FBI. No questions asked. No adjudication of you being mentally ill to the point of being a danger to yourself or others, which is the criteria. 
as one of the main criteria for being on the NICS list, the National Instant Criminal Background Checklist. And the NICS list, according to Senator Charles Grassley of Iowa, who is, we've been working with uh, the head of his Senate Judiciary Committee, his chief investigator, on this issue, veteran issue, of the three criteria that puts people on the NICS list, number one, being a convicted felon, number two, being a known abuser of illegal drugs, and number three, being adjudicated to be mentally ill to the point of being a danger to yourself or others. Of those three criteria, when it comes to being mentally ill, 99.3% of the people on that part of the list are veterans, U.S. military veterans. I know a lot of those people. I represent, we're representing some of those people. They have never been adjudicated to be mentally ill. Most of them have never even seen a psychologist or psychologist. Some of them may be suffering from minor PTSD. Some of them may have been depressed over the loss of a buddy in combat. But they're being declared incompetent because they let their spouses pay the family bills or because they have their bills automatically paid out of their checking account. And if you don't believe this, I've got it in writing. I'm representing right now, U.S. Justice Foundation is representing a veteran here in Texas who doesn't live far from me, who has has it in writing from the VA that that is the reason and the sole reason for them declaring him incompetent to handle his own financial affairs. The fact that he has his bills paid automatically every month out of his checking account. How many of you out there who are not veterans do the same thing? How many of you let your spouse pay the family bills because maybe they're better at remembering to pay on time than you are? How many of you have set up the automated systems for your bank? Those are now criteria for adjudicating you to be mentally ill to the point of being a danger to yourself or others and not being allowed to purchase, own, possess, or transport firearms or ammunition. Those are the definitions that BATF is using. And HHS is cooperating fully, and the FBI is just, they've they become uh, totally inept. Or, or I can't say inept, they don't care. They don't care whether or not you have received proper adjudication. They don't declare, declare they don't care if there's been a hearing to find you mentally ill. They don't care who you are. If they are sent your name by anybody in the federal government, whether it's the VA, and they have a clear agreement with the VA to do this, because we've seen it, we've got a copy of it, and we've, in fact, turned it over to members of the media and also to the Senate Judiciary Committee. But if they see that you have done any of these things or receive word from any federal agency, such as BATF or HHS, saying that you're mentally ill, the FBI doesn't care. They're not going to investigate. They don't care whether there's been any investigation at all, whether or not you've ever seen a psychologist, they're going to put you on the next list. And even if you get the ruling reversed, for example, you're a veteran, you've been declared incompetent to handle your own financial affairs, and you get that reversed, you win, and we have won some. On behalf of veterans, we're representing individually. You win, it doesn't matter. The FBI will not take you off the next list. They want to keep you on that list, and they want to keep you on there permanently so you can never legally purchase a firearm. And you may not even know 
this is happening. Most of the veterans have at least received a letter from the VA telling them that they have 60 days in which to respond and prove themselves competent. The VA says, because of your physical and mental disabilities, we're going to declare you incompetent to handle your own financial affairs. And by the way, we're also going to take away your Second Amendment rights when we do that. Well, you have 60 days in which to respond. In violation of the Due Process Clause of the Fifth Amendment, you are not having seeing the burden of proof being put on the government to prove you're incompetent. The burden of proof is on you to prove that you're not incompetent. That's illegal. That's unconstitutional. They don't care. Obama doesn't care. The federal government doesn't care. The Democrats don't care. They want you to be disarmed. But you're not even, if you're a civilian, you're not even going to get that type of information. You may never receive a letter from anybody saying that you've been declared incompetent or you've been put on the next list. You may not know until, and this is happening to some veterans too, you go to purchase a firearm and you fill out that federal form. And here's a catch-22. On that federal form, there is a box for you to check if you have been adjudicated to be mentally ill to the point of being a danger to yourself or others. If you don't know what's been done to you, if you don't know that you've been put on a list for that reason, you're not going to check that box. But here's the deal. The government doesn't care if you know or not. If you don't check that box and they deny you the right to own a firearm and you question it, they will then charge you with perjury for lying on a federal form. I'm not making this stuff up. We have veterans out there we know this has happened to. I've got a veteran right now, several who other veterans, did not know that they'd been put on the next list until they went to try to buy a firearm. Then they found out, and it took them jumping through all kinds of hoops to find out why. They found out they'd been declared mentally ill in the point of being a danger to themselves or others. None of them are. Some of them have physical disabilities. Some of them have some minor PTSD. None of them are mentally ill. None of them are in danger. Yet, they've been told that they're on the next list, and it doesn't matter that they never, were never informed. There was never a hearing. They were just put on the next list. They had no right to appeal. They stay on the next list. Now their spouses are being told that they're also on the list. And their children are being told that they're on the list. But here's what gets me, and this is something that's just come out. And I told this the other night, the speech, and people just freaked out. And they could not believe this is the case. Here you have on the one hand the VA, the FBI, Department of Homeland Security, BATF, HHS, all deciding that someone is mentally ill to the point of being a danger to themselves or others and therefore should not be allowed to own, purchase, or possess firearms. Pretty damning, isn't it? You're being told you're such a danger you can't own or possess or transport firearms. But these veterans are reporting to me that they have been contacted by the VA and told that even though you're such a danger to society, you can buy back your Second Amendment rights. We will take away the Declaration of Incompetence, take away the Declaration that you have been declared mentally incompetent to the point of being a danger to yourself or others, 
All you have to do is surrender your VA benefits. Give up the money that you're legally entitled to. Really? You're that dangerous, according to the government, but now you can buy back your right to keep and bear arms. There's something wrong with this picture, ladies and gentlemen. My question is, buying back, where does the money that you will receive these benefits go? Right now, if you've been declared incompetent, 5% of it goes to the the person who appointed your fiduciary or the company that appointed your fiduciary. That's become big business. What happens to the rest of your benefits? Is it really going to go back in the U.S. Treasury? I suggest no. It's going to go in the pockets of some bureaucrats somewhere. I think that's what we're looking at here, and that's something else that we're going to be digging into at the U.S. Justice Foundation. Let's take our first break now. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Hi, I'm Bree with Turning Point USA, and I've got some really exciting news here. I'm going to be the host of a new radio show, Turning Point USA Radio, right here on America's Web Radio. Our start date is June 3rd at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Please tune in to learn all about what Turning Point USA does on campuses across the country and hear from a few really exciting guests that we have. Can't wait for you to listen. Bye. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. If you want to read more about what's going on, I've written an article and posted on my website recently. It's called Expanding the Assault. And in there I detail what I see happening to the veterans and what I think is about to happen to the rest of the population. And now, you know, you you can read about it all over the web, all over the Internet, because they've openly come out. The Obama administration said, we're going to do this and that, and we're going to do it by executive order. We're going to ignore the Constitution. We're going to ignore the balance of powers. We're going to ignore ignore the Second Amendment and the Fifth Amendment and the Fourth Amendment, and we're going to disarm you. 
it's as simple as that. My website is Michael Connolly, C O N N E L L Y, dot jigsy dot com, G S Y dot jigsy dot com. And there you can read my blog, you can uh, read about me and my credentials, you can look at the books that I've written, including the little book on our Constitution, which details each article, each section, each amendment to the Constitution, puts them in there the way they were originally written, and then I put my comments in about what it actually means. And people were looking at that the other night at that meeting that I attended, and they were buying them in, in large numbers because they wanted to give them out to their friends. They were saying that, you know, here is a not just a copy of the Constitution, but a copy of the Constitution that explains what it means. For example, I point out, and a lot of people confess they didn't know this, even people that have PhDs, I point out that the phrase separation of church and state is not in the Constitution of the United States. Not anywhere. It, in fact, originated in a letter written by Thomas Jefferson when he was president and a very large religious domination, denomination was having an internal dispute. And they wrote to the president and asked if he would be the mediator and decide the outcome of the dispute. He wrote back and he said, absolutely not. That would be interference by the government in religion, and there's supposed to be separation of church and state. Now, what does he mean by that? He means exactly what it says in the First Amendment. The Establishment Clause, that says that the government, neither the federal government nor state governments, can establish a state religion. In other words, they can't come in the state of Texas and tell everybody in the state of Texas that we have to be Catholic, or that we have to be Muslim, or that we have to be Jewish, or we have to be United Methodist. That's what the Establishment Clause means. It doesn't mean that the government cannot support religions as long as they don't support a specific religion. There's nothing in the Constitution that says the government can't, for example, put on its our money in God we trust or have the Ten Commandments hanging in the Supreme Court building. The Supreme Court of the United States has the Ten Commandments in there. But then the federal courts rule that the state of Alabama can't have the Ten Commandments at their courthouse. The Congress of the United States opens every day with a prayer. Every session with a prayer. But schools are not allowed to have a prayer in the morning. Schools are not allowed to even talk about God. Particularly if you're a Christian. Now, if you're a Muslim, you can pray at school. You can wear whatever you want to school. Uh, you can proselytize at school. You can do whatever you want because you're a Muslim, and that's politically correct. But if you're a Christian, forget it. You're going to be hammered. But my little book that talks about things like that points out what's real in the Constitution and what's not in the Constitution. And we're selling a lot of copies of that. We're on our fourth printing now, and we sold thousands of copies. And if you go to the website or and uh, at michaelconnolly.jigsy.com, you can find out not only how to order individual copies uh, for a very small amount, but you can find out how to order order large numbers of copies at a substantial discount. And if you are buying these copies for a school, 
This didn't apply just to schools. We've had a Rotary Club in South Texas, for example, buy 500 copies for distribution to six school districts. And we've had a couple of schools in, in Missouri buy hundreds of copies for various schools up there. If you're interested in ordering for a school district or for your school, contact me directly, and I will work with you to get you a, a call, price as basically the cost of printing these so that you'll be able to distribute these to kids, because that's one of the things we're doing. As, a, as the author of this little booklet, I'm entitled to royalties for everyone that I sell. I don't take royalties. I roll all of that over into the nonprofit corporation, which is my personal nonprofit, Constitutional Law Alliance, that handles the booklet sales, and I roll that into there, and so we can subsidize getting these booklets out to students around the country to people who don't know about the Constitution, don't understand it. Because as I keep pointing out, if you don't know what your rights are, you're not going to realize that you're losing them. And that's what's happening. Our kids are not being taught the Constitution. And now we have this new Common Core nonsense, which is uh, basically setting up the standards for testing around the country. And they're changing, they're altering the teaching of American the teaching of government. So that basically, we're not being taught about American exceptionalism. They're being taught to hate capitalism as an economic system. They're being taught that America is a vicious country that is hated by everybody in the world and the subjugated people. They're being lied to. I'll give you a prime example. World War II. My father fought in World War II. One of the books you can and read about that I've written, and you can look see that on my website. One of the books is called The Mortarman. It's about my dad's year during World War II. He was 21 years old. He was a lieutenant. He and his unit fired the big 4.2 mortars. They landed on the second wave at Utah Beach on D-Day. They were in combat for 326 straight days. They were in the Battle of the Hurricane Forest. Uh, they were at Cologne. They were in the Battle of the Bulge. My dad's company, on December 28, 1944, lost half of its men and all of its mortars at a little town called Sadzot in Belgium, a little village where they were staying at. The remnants of the company regrouped, hooked up with some paratroopers over loose ends, and found some combat engineers and found one light tank. And they counterattacked, and they took back the village, they took back their mortars, but they lost half their company and all of this. But then they held the village for three days against the Panzers, against the German armor. Remarkable story, and I didn't know how remarkable it was to the people of Belgium until just a couple of weeks ago I received an email in French that was from a gentleman who was right outside the village of Sadzot. That's where he lives. He told me that they heard about my book, and could they get a copy of it that they could translate into uh, French and Belgium so that they could t use it in the school? And he told me something remarkable, that every December 28th, which is the day of the battle, the village holds a memorial service to remember the men of the 87th Chemical War Battalion who fought, who fought for this country and who died there or were wounded there. And so I sent him a copy of the book. That's pretty remarkable. 
point is, is that that's part of our heritage. That's part of our history. Are they being taught about that type of bravery when they hear about World War II in our schools, under the teachings of the way Common Core wants it taught? Let me tell you about World War II and Common Core. None of the American generals are even mentioned. None of the battles fought by American soldiers are mentioned. There's no discussion of the bravery of American soldiers. What do they talk about? They talk about dropping the atomic bomb on the Japanese and how horrible that was. They talk about the internment of Japanese Americans and what a violation that was of their civil rights. And they talk about racial discrimination in the military. The internment of Japanese was not something that this country is proud of. Discrimination in the military was not something this country is proud of. But it was not the crux of what happened during World War II. It was side effects of the fact that we were at war with two totalitarian dictators, three actually, if you count the Italians, Mussolini. We were at war. Americans died in that war. Hundreds of thousands of Americans and civilians were killed in that war. 30 million people worldwide died in that war. There were heroic actions by Americans, including the people in my father's unit, the 87th Mortar Battalion. By the way, the book is The Mortarman. And you can find it on Amazon as an e-book. You can find it on Barnes & Noble as paperback and an e-book. And on Amazon as paperback and an e-book. You can find it just about anywhere. And as a matter of fact, it's on sale right now on Amazon. But you can also order it through my website if you would like to have a, a autographed copy of it or any of my other books. Because I've also got my novel out there on the Alias Story of America, which has become increasingly popular. It's a patriotic novel that the left absolutely hates, which pleases me that I look to tell the people angry and irritate them. But you can order the copies of the books and you can find out. You can find out about Almost nobody ever heard about it until I wrote this book. Yet they are part of the American exceptionalism. They're part of the American heroes who have kept this country free. And our children are being taught to despise them if they're hearing about them at all. This is the standard we have in our schools. This is why my booklet on the Constitution and other booklets out there about the Constitution are so important. People need to know what is happening in this country. They need to know what is happening to our constitutional rights. They need to know what their constitutional rights are and how our government is set up. That's something else our students are not being taught. They're being taught that the Constitution is archaic, that it's some kind of living document that can be altered and changed at will, and that it's out of date and outmoded. Things like the Bill of Rights need to be discarded. And we're about to have a Supreme Court decision that's going to do exactly that. And now let's take another break, and then we'll talk about that. 
Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. I'm Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. I'll be hosting a new program here on America's Web Radio. We call it The Prologue. Now, you may not yet be familiar with me or my work, and that's the point of the whole show. There are many talented writers out there that you haven't heard of yet. Now, a prologue is an introduction to a piece of literature or perhaps music, and its intention is to hook you into the story or that piece of music. In today's cluttered world of new authors and books, it can be costly and time-consuming to sample everything that's out there. That's where my new show can help. I'll introduce you to the author and their book in an hour-long discussion that just might interest you and entertain you. We hope long enough that you'll want to buy the writer's book. So join me, won't you, right here starting June 12th and continuing on Fridays after that at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on America's Web Radio. That's the prologue with Doug Dahlgren. I look forward to meeting you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government as well as those involved in legal cases have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, it looks like we're having a little problem with interference again with the show. And I'm, I'm getting very suspicious of this. Uh, this is happening almost every week, and it's only happening on my show. Now, I do a number of radio interviews around the country. I do them on a, a regular basis. I do them from the same location, on the same phone. If there's never any interference in those, it's just with my show. So bear with me, because we're going to try to figure out what this problem is whether or not it's something we can fix or whether or not it's being come, coming from an outside source. But in any case, at the United States Justice Foundation, we continue to fight for the Constitution. Basically, one of the reasons I got involved with the Justice Foundation years ago when I helped form it, I'm going to serve as a consultant, and now I'm executive director of it, was because it embodied the oath of office that I had taken as a member of the military of the United States to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all the enemies, foreign and domestic. 
I believe in that oath. The 23 million veterans out there in this country who took the same oath, and the vast majority believe in that oath. That's one reason why it's so important to Obama and the leftists to disarm us. Because we've been taught to fight. We've been taught to fight for our Constitution. We've been taught to fight for our country. We've been taught to fight for our Americans. And we are prepared to do that again. So that's one reason they want to disarm us. But in the meantime, I work with the United States Justice Foundation. Because we fight to defend the Constitution. We fight to maintain the Constitution. We represent all of our clients. We're dealing with constitutional issues, a loss of rights, etc. We represent them for free. We do not charge anybody. And certainly we're not going to charge the veterans and their families anything. We raise our money independently. And you can go to usjf.net, United States Justice Foundation, usjf.net, and you can read on there some of the things we're doing. You can look at briefs that we filed. We filed briefs from all over the country in courts of appeals, and we filed briefs in the U.S. Supreme Court. We filed a recent brief in the case of Texas versus Obama, uh, where the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld the lower court's decision in Texas that Obama's amnesty program was illegal and unconstitutional. And that will now be going to the Supreme Court. But that's what we do. So if you want to donate to help us, you can go to usjf.net, and at the top of the home page, there's a little link that says Donate to Us, and you can find out how to send us a check in the mail or how to donate online. Uh, we have two offices. We have one in California. Uh, you'll see that uh, information on the website. And then we've got the, in my office. I actually operate out of Texas. Uh, you know, I run the organization. And you can contact me at Post Office Box 1266. Canton, Texas, C-A-N-T-O-N, Canton, Texas, 75103. And like I said, you can go to the website, usjf.net, and find out there more about what we're doing. But right now we're fighting for the Constitution. And I'm afraid that at the end of this month, the Constitution is going to be either totally destroyed or irrevocably be damaged by the Supreme Court of the United States. The Constitution of the United States, as I said, you can read it in my booklet. You can read how it was originally written. I point out where it's been amended. But you can look at it and you can see what it was all about. It was to set up a constitutional republic, form of government. It was not to set up a democracy. Democracy is chaos. Democracy is majority rules. That means the majority of the country could vote, for example, to take away my right to free speech because they don't like what I have to say. The majority of the country could vote to execute all Christians or put us all in prison because they don't like our beliefs. The majority can vote to disarm everybody but themselves. That's why our founding fathers did not set up a majority rule. They set up a constitutional republic where the rights of individuals are protected and where there's a balance of power when it comes to the federal government. 
they created three branches of our federal government. They created the executive branch, which is the president and his appointees, the words his heads of cabinets. They created the legislative branch, which consists of the House of Representatives and the members of Congress, the members of the U.S. Senate that are elected by the people. Although originally, and you'll see this in my book, that originally the senators were not elected by the people. Originally, the senators were elected by the state legislatures and made them more bound to represent their states. That was changed by amendment. And that's what's important to remember here. Amendment. The Constitution also protects the rights of individuals. It has a Bill of Rights. And the preamble of the Bill of Rights, which you can only find in my booklet, you can't find it in most textbooks, uh, they don't, people out there, the so-called educators, don't want you to know exists. Because the, the preamble of the Bill of Rights basically is a warning to the federal government by the founders of that very government, saying that these rights enumerated herein are not given to us by you. Because they realize if they acknowledge that the rights they were talking about were given to them by the government, and the government had the inherent right to take them away. They were saying, no, that's not the way it works. These rights were not given to us by you, therefore you cannot take them away. These rights were given to us by the power of God, by our Creator. So they can't be destroyed. They can't be taken away in my majority vote. It doesn't matter if 99.9% of the people in this country vote to abolish Christianity. They can't enforce that on the people here who are Christians. It's not supposed to be done. However, of course, the, your third branch of government is your judiciary branch, which originally was just created as a Supreme Court. And the Congress was given the power to create lower courts and to specify the jurisdiction. Well, Congress gave up that power long ago. They created the courts, and they let them take jurisdiction over things that they have no right to take jurisdiction over. And now we have an upcoming decision by the United States Supreme Court, which all indications are will go in the favor of the progressives, the politically correct, and rule that same-sex marriage is a constitutionally protected right under the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. The 14th Amendment to the Constitution came about after the Civil War, and basically, if you read it, it's fairly clear. The first section basically says that the rights of the Bill of Rights to the U.S. Constitution also apply to citizens of the states, and the states cannot infringe upon those rights. The states cannot take away the rights mentioned in the Constitution. They cannot infringe upon them. They cannot deny their citizens they cannot take away their property, their lives, or their freedom without due process, which is also protected by the Fifth Amendment. That's all the Fourteenth Amendment does when it comes to that aspect of it. I defy you to look it up on the Internet or get a copy of my booklet and read the 14th Amendment and tell me where in the 14th Amendment it says the right to marry someone of the same sex 
is protected by the Constitution of the United States. You're not going to find it in the 14th Amendment. You're not going to find it anywhere in the Constitution. You're not going to find marriage mentioned anywhere in the Constitution. The federal government was not in the business of regulating marriage. The federal government was in the business of providing a stable government and economy to the people of this country and making sure it did not infringe upon their rights. Marriage was something that was left to the religious institutions to regulate and left to the states to regulate. States have always decided what qualifies marriage, who can legally be married. In other words, in, in some states you can get married by as young as 16. Other states you have to be older. And the states set those standards. The states also decide what rights you have when you're married. If you're a common law state, Louisiana, and uh, somewhat in Texas, it decides how your property will be divided. If you divorce, it decides the criteria for divorce. It decides the procedure for divorce. That's all been left to the states. Now, all of a sudden, we have a Supreme Court of the United States that could, by a five-to-four decision, decide that something that is not was never even contemplated by the people who drew up the Constitution or who passed the Fourteenth Amendment suddenly something that was never even contemplated by them is going to be a federal right protected by federal law that will supersede the will of the people in the states. And that is the right to same-sex marriage. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no right to same-sex marriage. There is not even a right to marriage. Not protected by the federal government. That's up to the states. Yet we have a situation where, and this is unprecedented, we have two federal judges on the Supreme Court of the United States, Kagan and Ginsburg, who have come out in violation of their oath of office, in violation of what they're supposed to be doing as judges, and profess to support same-sex marriage. They not only have professed their support of it, they have come out and actually conducted same-sex marriage ceremonies. That is a violation of their of the Constitution. Why? Because judges are supposed to be impartial. They're not supposed to pre-decide cases. If they do what these two justices have done, they should be recused from handling the case because they're obviously presidential. And they're supposed to decide the cases, each case on the facts and the law. Let's take our final break and we'll talk more. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at 
www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. This is Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. I've got a new program starting here, June 12th at 11 a.m. It's called The Prologue, and we'll be introducing you to other writers you may not have heard of yet. Join us, won't you, starting June 12th, 11 a.m. here on America's Web Radio. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So we have a case before the Supreme Court where you've got two justices at least who have already indicated that they've decided the case already without ever reading the briefs, without ever hearing the arguments, despite the fact that there's absolutely nothing in the Constitution that gives the United States Supreme Court or any federal court jurisdiction over the issue of marriage and whether or not it is, can be between a man and a woman or between gays. That is up to the states to decide that. It has always been up to the states. Yet you have two members of the Supreme Court of the United States who have been asked to recuse themselves because they've obviously already decided how they're going to vote, and they've refused to do so. That is a violation of basically what allows federal judges to be appointed for life subject to good behavior. That's obviously not good behavior. When you violate your oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, that's number one. Number two, you violate the rules of the United States Supreme Court and all federal courts or state courts that say that if you cannot decide a case on the basis of the facts, and the legal arguments presented to you, if you favor one side or the other for other reasons, you must recuse yourself from the decision-led court. It's not going to happen. Because that, we think, because statements that Justice Kennedy has made in the past, we think this could be a 5-4 to decision legalizing gay marriage. That will be a total disaster for this country. That will essentially wipe out our Constitution. Because, see, our Constitution has a provision set up for it to be amended. And it's not easy to do. It's not supposed to be easy to do. But basically, it can be amended by Congress, three-fourths of the members of Congress, passing an amendment which then has to go be approved by three-fourths of the state legislatures. 
and then you have a situation where three-fourths of the state legislatures can propose amendments and call a constitutional convention. It's called a CONCON. And they can then decide to amend the Constitution. That's the provisions that were set up. Nowhere in there does it say that the Constitution is some kind of a living document that can be changed by changes of society, that can be altered on the whims of justices of the U.S. Supreme Court or on whim president. Exactly what it was designed to prevent from happening. Yet the President of the United States continuously ignores issues executive orders, which he has no constitutional right to do in the areas where he's doing it, violating the separation of powers. And now we have the Supreme Court, which has been doing this on a limited basis for years, but is now actually going to step in and is going to amend the Constitution to include a right to gay marriage to include a right in the Constitution that has never even been mentioned in the Constitutional Conventions and the arguments over the 14th Amendment was never considered. It's always been up to the states. If the Supreme Court takes this action, then our Constitutional Republic is dead because that will embolden Obama and the members of the left to continue their actions to take away the individual rights of Americans who are not politically correct and don't agree with this type of decision. So what can be done about it? Well, we have a short period of time before this is going to take place. And I hope I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong, but I don't think so. So at the United States Justice Foundation... We have basically set up what we call a landing page, and we are going to, we are gathering together some of the brightest experts in the world, and we have some very, very good attorneys that work with us that are constitutional experts. I'm, of course, a constitutional attorney and executive director, and we have uh, constitutional experts who are not attorneys. We have people, public policy experts. They're going to be writing a series of articles for us over the next few weeks about the implications of a decision by the Supreme Court legalizing gay marriage and what can be done once that decision is made, or if anything can be done. This is very important. I'm going to be writing an article basically examining this by a broad spectrum and putting it on my website with links to these other articles that are posted. Because these other articles are going to be more specific. They're going to deal with things like where in the 14th Amendment does it authorize the Supreme Court to do this? Does it authorize gay marriage? And what's going to happen to people who oppose gay marriage? Right now in states like Oregon, if you have a religious conviction and you oppose gay marriage, and you, for example, have a bakery, and a gay couple wants you to do a cake for their wedding, and you don't do it, you're going to be fined $135,000 and put out of business. What provisions are going to be available for us to fight for people like that? 
What about ministers, ordained ministers who don't believe in gay marriage and don't want to conduct gay marriage ceremonies? Are they going to be forced to do it? The military, chaplains in the military are already being forced to perform gay marriages or get out. They can't say anything opposing gay marriage. We have one breach of the Constitution after the other. We're going to be talking in these articles about legal aspects of it. We've already filed many briefs in the court, courts around the country on this. We're going to talk about how U.S. citizens need to respond to a decision mandating same-sex marriage and respond in their various roles as members of grand juries, members of petite juries, taxpayers, and voters. Could Congress do something about this? Congress does have the power to decide the jurisdiction of the federal courts, and that includes the Supreme Court. There were certain things put in the Constitution that they had jurisdiction over, but the rest of it was left up to Congress. For example, they can decide disputes between states. The Supreme Court can. This is not a dispute between states. This is not a dispute that it even belongs under consideration when you talk about our Constitution. So what are governors, attorney generals, state legislatures, and other state officers, how are going to, they going to respond to the mandate of same-sex marriage? We're going to talk about all that in these articles. We're going to be posting these articles on usjf.net. I'm going to be posting links to these articles on my website at Michael Connolly, C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y dot Jigsy, J-I-G-S-Y dot com. And I'll be posting the so-called landing page where you can go and you can see links to these articles and you can go and you can see what we're looking at doing as the United States Justice Foundation. And you also can support our efforts because it's not going to be cheap. It's going to be expensive fight. We want to be in the forefront of it. We're already partnered with other groups. We're going to be facing the same thing, facing the same fight. We're all going to try to respond to this together. But right now we're making the leading effort because we want people to know before the decision happens what the implications of that decision are. We want people to know how they can react, how they can protect their individual rights, how they can protect their freedom of religion. I frankly am am very fearful that if the Supreme Court decides for gay marriage that we are going to see an all-out assault by the Obama administration and some state governments on Christianity. We're already under assault. I mean, we're Christians all over the world being attacked by ISIS and beheaded, and the President of the United States is not coming to their defense, even verbally. concentrating on destroying Christianity in this country with the help of the leftist media and the help of left-wing members of Congress and the Supreme Court. I think we're going to be facing a constitutional crisis of great proportions. We've got to be prepared to respond to it. We've got to be prepared to do what is necessary. So go to usjf.net, go to Michael Connolly, C-O-N-N-E-L-O-Y, 
www.jigsy.com and keep up with what's going on. Get people to listen to this radio show. Get people to read our blog. Get people to look at our website. Get people to contact me at michael at usjfmail.net, and we'll talk about it. Thank you for having me on. I look forward to being with you next week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Watchdog.